Greetings, dear listener, and welcome to Natural 20-somethings, an audio program detailing and discussing the danger, depth, difficulties, diversions, dice, decadence, and drama of D&D. We're ever so pleased you're here. everyone and welcome to Natural 20-somethings. I am Laurel. And I'm Olivia. Uh, for this episode we are tackling D&D online gameplay, which I suspect a lot of people have turned to in these unprecedented times. <laughs> I hate saying that. I hate it so much, but it's, it. I mean, they are unprecedented. Well, they're not totally unprecedented. All times are unprecedented. <laughs> exactly. Anyways, uh, as the community has grown, I think a lot of us are finding online gameplay to be not only more convenient, but also more expansive. Uh, That said, the internet did not exist when D&D was invented, so I'm very excited to sort of explore this new frontier and the way that it shapes and has shaped the game. The Player's Handbook lays out a basic pattern that games typically follow, which is, number one, the DM describes the environment. Number two, the players describe what they want to do. Number three, the DM narrates the results of the adventurer's action. Uh, And then continues... Most of the time, play is fluid and flexible, adapting to circumstances of the adventure. Often, the action of an adventure takes place in the imagination of the players and DM, relying on the DM's descriptions to set the scene. Some DMs like to use music, art, or recorded sound effects. Sometimes, a DM might lay out a map and use tokens or miniature figures to represent each character involved in a scene to help players keep track of where everyone is. Uh, So, how do you feel, Olivia, that all of that translates into online gameplay? Oddly enough, I think it's actually pretty smooth. I know some people may disagree with me, but... But pretty much you can do all of that online, especially um, I think you and I have found that having video really helps because uh, facial expressions are a big part of it. But everything that you've described, you know, describing the environment, you can do that online. Describing what you want to do, you can do that online. I mean, it, the whole game was designed to be done in your head and anything else is just extra, I feel like. Because when you get down to the essence of the game, it's one person sitting, being a conduit for a story, being sort of the interface that players use and then the rest of the players at the table just kind of doing what they want you don't even need dice anymore you know yeah I think I think something that's interesting about D&D in general is that I truly do think that you could strip away everything all of the material all of the like tangible artifacts or even rules potentially and literally just sit and storytell with your friends around a campfire with a singular d20 if you wanted to add some like randomization to the game like you don't have to have any one thing in order for the game to function as something that is like a fun thing to do with your friends. At a certain point, the more you strip away, the less it becomes like quote unquote D&D 5e, but it isn't beholden to this like idea that there has to be a table or there has to be a battle map or there has to be music or specific characters or anything like it. It truly is something that you can take and kind of plug into any medium. Right, exactly. And And I think for some people, you know, D&D is that sort of like sitting around the same table with your friends eating a box of shitty pizza and uh, moving minifigures around and putting status rings around them and, you know, doing all of that. But I think I was disavowed of that pretty instantly because my whole starting experience with D&D was exclusively online. I have played in person maybe a total of three times 
games. I've, I've played with friends, with other friends online. Like, I'm in the same space as people playing D&D at the same time, but never a full table, really. And so I think that sort of biases my opinion a little bit. But things like Roll20 are really, really helpful if you need a battle map. But, you know, you and I play games all the time where we don't even have battle maps. Yeah. Theater of the Mind, I think, is really, really powerful when it comes to combat. And, and something that, like, frankly, if I was DMing in-person tables right now, I would probably use Theater of Mind. Like, I, I don't, I genuinely don't know that I would have very many combat maps uh, to the level that I have combat maps online. Yeah, they're just so easy to use online, truly. Yeah, and and the level of detail and the level of, like, immersion that you can get from looking at, like, a photo image or, like, something that an artist has designed is completely different from, like, you know, whatever piddle fart... <laughs> structure or grid I'm gonna lay out on the table like I just I don't have I will say this for myself as a DM I do not have the patience to do that level of prep work like I I will like find a map that will work for me and I will just like squish it into the environment however I need to do that I I do not take joy from building or painting minifigures uh but I do know that like I mean I have friends who that is like 50% of the hobby for them is the building and construction and designing of these like actual physical 3d sets so that's not to disparage that in any way but it's not something like i would never dm if that was a requirement <laughs> well and that's what it boils down to it's that there's no real requirement for a DD game because it's so highly personalized every single game is going to be different for every single table and you're going to have you know you're going to pull from whatever we've listed out from the player's handbook you're going to take and leave some of these anyway and so you just adapt it to the environment that you're in but i think one of the big benefits of of playing D&D online is, you know, you have access to the whole internet community at this point as well. You and I live in completely different states. I've moved across the country and played D&D while doing so. Like, the accessibility of D&D is so much greater now, and I think that's really important. And it, you know, it's become my social life during the pandemic. Oh, absolutely. I think that's probably true for a lot of other people as well. Like, I, I genuinely think that part of what has helped helped fund, for lack of a better verb there, this D&D boom is this accessibility of it. Like, you can find people who are looking for players who are, you know, new or experienced or any level in between. Like, the accessibility of D&D has really increased over the last two years alone to a level where I think the community has grown so much because we were all sort of herded online and in everyone being forced to be there, met a lot of new people and opened a lot of new doors and like even people who maybe were like oh I want to get into like asset creation or you know I want to do x y or z thing I want to start doing music like people had time then to sort of pursue these hobbies that they otherwise might not have tried out and it's just spawned this huge community and the other thing too that I think doesn't get talked about a ton but everyone kind of knows you don't have to buy any of the D&D stuff anymore you can just look it up online and find everything that you need and it was interesting because I played a couple of games of Pathfinder, uh, second edition, and one of the things, one of the benefits that the uh, game master put in front of us was that all of the rules are free online. And I'm thinking about it going, that's true for D&D too. Some of it's, some of it's piracy. <laughs> piracy is a moral act, okay? <laughs> 
Yo, yo, ho, ho. (laughs) (laughs) I do think, too, for me, like, I I have a very myriad perspective on this topic in particular because I have played at almost every kind of table imaginable. Like, I started out D&D at the table where the DM painted all the minifigures. The DM built every single environment in great and enormous detail. And every single time we played, it was like this big production of, you know, there was already music on when we walked in and the lights were dimmed and we had special D&D food that was like stew and bread bowls and like it was it was a thing every time we had a game and I have also played voice only yeah (laughs) no combat maps no like no one can see it you can only hear the other people D&D online like and and every iteration on a sliding scale in between those two points I have done and I don't know it's it's been interesting to see you know like which do I prefer quote unquote I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of an online hoe now like (laughs) I I don't think that I could could comfortably DM in person, but I like to play in person. I don't know. There's something about the screen that is very comforting to me where it's like there is a level of disassociation between me and the other people Mm -hmm. that like I can make a fool of myself and they're not in the same room as me. Uh, Whereas like having that other person, that body at the table is a lot more intimidating. But there are things that I do. I miss about playing in person. I don't have any in-person tables at the moment, but I do like there there is something fun about that sort of like that social gathering connection Mm -hmm. that um i enjoy but also you know have not had for the last two and a half years so you know it's like i'll take i'll take my i'll take my my gets where i can get them yeah no absolutely so along those lines what do you think are the drawbacks of online dnd i think um one of the most immediate biggest drawbacks for me is the lack of ability to have meaningful conversations on the side like you can chat but you like in a you know if you're using discord or whatever you know you might have like a little text server where you can like message other people while the dm and another character or two other characters are kind of like have the spotlight at that moment when you're sitting at a table like you can lean over and speak very quietly to whoever's next to you or across the table from you without interrupting what's going on whereas with online gameplay that was one of the biggest learning curves for me honestly was learning this like give and take and kind of the rhythm of how online gameplay works works and like not speaking over people constantly like that was that was hard to learn genuinely but uh yeah I do miss I miss those little like side conversations that you can have in character I think that you know some people might not like like what I said about like there's that level of disassociation between you and the other people because it's a screen I think there might be people who just don't like that um it's something that I'm very comfortable with and I've gotten very used to like I don't feel necessarily disconnected from someone just because they're a face on the screen but I can understand why other people would feel that way absolutely well there's a whole different set of etiquette for online play versus at the table and at the table I have very little experience but I also think one of the other drawbacks that along the lines of no side conversations is that it can be really intimidating to be a new player at a table full of experienced players with no one to sort of lean over and be like hey you can try this or you can do this this is how this works um or like point like physically point on your character sheet to where you should be looking yeah absolutely and that's a huge drawback yeah that no that's that's a major drawback because it's like the the problem that that puts then on new players is that like in order to ask a question or to like you know get help you have to be the 
center of attention in that moment. You have to be like, oh, hey, can I grind everything to a halt for a second? Because I don't know what's going on. Like, when you can just lean over to somebody next to you, it that is, you know, you are not being paid attention to. You get the help that you need immediately, quickly, efficiently, and you don't have to, like, you don't have to be in front of everybody. Right. And I imagine then at that point, too, you can, like, strategically put people around a table. Um, Like, I know that's, there's, like, a particular reason there's an order to the players at, you know, on Critical Role or Dimension 20 or any of those shows because, you know, they'll put inexperienced players next to the very experienced players that are really good teachers. And so there's that huge part of it. And, you know, all the people we play with, and I hope all the people you guys play with are absolutely willing to help and don't resent the stopping of a game at all, especially for brand new players. Like, hey, I totally forgot. I don't know what my armor class is. What does that look like? Where is that on the sheet? And again, benefits the online stuff too. It's easy to Google as well. So you don't always have to ask somebody, but I can guarantee that any good table is never going to resent a new player for asking questions. No, definitely not. I I thought of another thing too that I miss. Um, and that is the ability to non-verbally communicate with one other person at the table. Um, just like through a series of looks, like I, I'm thinking of two players that I played with specifically at two very different tables that never overlapped where we sat across from each other. Um, and <laughs> we would always share these just looks of like consternation or horror or like irritation. It was just like, I could rely on that person to just like flick my eyes up and be like, oh my God, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. what is happening right now? And I do genuinely miss that. Like that that's something that you definitely can't do online, but without being observed at the very least. Like I there's one specific player at a table of mine that like we would have full on conversations and plot entire things that we would do uh, without the other characters knowing because we had to do that in order to get anything done. But across a table distance, we'd just be like nodding at each other. (laughs) Like that one vine. Yes, exactly like the one vine of the kid eating the chips. Like that absolutely that. What would you say? are some of the benefits of online gameplay? I feel like we've gone over a ton of them, but I number one, absolute number one benefit is the ability to connect with anybody across the world. Mm-hmm. You can play with anybody. We played with, there was one game where we were playing with people in all four major US time zones. Like, <laughs> man, that was hell to coordinate, but we did it. And that's really cool. And having online D&D has allowed me to reconnect with childhood friends and to connect further with new friends. It's really been such a wonderful social space in a limited social world at the moment. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like I would say to that point, I have made more friends over the last year than I had for the previous like five years <laughs> up to that point. Like the people that I play D&D with now are people that I have been introduced to exclusively in an online space. Like I, you know, it was like friends of friends and then everybody kind of got brought together and it was, it's, it, I love it. It's so fun like I, lo- I love all of these people dearly they are a joy to play with but it's 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 curious to me to see how that came about like these people that I consider my very good very close friends are people that I have never met in person like <laughs> here's here's something that might be shocking to people who don't know Olivia and I personally we have never met in person no <laughs> Olivia and I have never stood in the same room like <laughs> never even been close geographically no the closest we've been is like I happened to be in Florida for a week <laughs> 
at one point or like maybe you drove through utah at, at some point in in southern utah which is again nowhere near where i live but yeah it's it's crazy i think too for me something that i really love about online D is the flexibility of the space for me personally as a dm and i have touched on this the tools for online D function super well for the way that my dm brain operates like i am good as an online dm i'm like passable <laughs> <laughs> in person dm it just there's something about like having being able to have all of my notes in front of me have all of my combat encounters like i can just like i can be a mess on my side of the screen and you have absolutely no idea because you can only see my little box and i i love that yeah and the other thing about that which i think is really interesting so i have dm'd in person a couple of times and i've had to use the screen because i have all my plans and that screen feels more distancing than a computer screen sometimes when i'm DMing on the screen because with that at least you know there's the facade of equality going on if that makes sense like <laughs> yeah there's no like there's no head of the table in the same way that there is that you have to have when you play in person I think my biggest like takeaway item maybe from like you know the differences or the benefits or the drawbacks or you know between online and and you know in-person gameplay is that like do what you gotta do to play D&D as long as you love it you know like I I love playing D&D I will play in person I will play online I will play <laughs> however it needs to happen but I do think that like if you're someone who has been very hesitant to try D&D online because it like doesn't seem as fun or doesn't seem as like engaging or immersive like I would invite you <laughs> to challenge that perspective because I find at this stage of me playing and how much I've played D&D in both arenas that there is very little difference to me in the level of enjoyment that I get out of it see great takeaway and I would end with that except I also also think we should talk about our sort of quick and dirty tips for playing D&D online because you know as we mentioned most of our games are now online so um if you were to give you know three pieces of small advice for playing D&D online what would they be okay number one I think you have to get used to the rhythm of speaking to people in an online platform and in that sense understand that things are going to take longer like there is a little bit of silence in between the DM says something the players respond because you can't understand when people speak over each other so number one tip understand that there is going to be a give and take and times when you are silent for a while and that's okay that is just part of the online space respect the silence <laughs> that's number one you come up with number two i feel a lot of pressure <laughs> I'm passing it off to you. Um, number two, honestly, use video where you can. That has been super, super, super helpful. And some of the tables that we were struggling at, once we switched to video, it really made a world of difference. Being able to see facial expressions is huge. Obviously, don't do it if you're comfortable. We've played plenty of games where it's voice only, but um, just keep in mind to adapt to that. Yeah, we played an entire campaign voice only. Yeah, it's possible and it's very fun, but video really does help and it helps you keep stay immersed. Uh, third piece of advice. Uh, remember, nobody's a stranger when you're playing D&D together. I love it. No, it's true. I, I think that this this idea of like, you know, make friends, don't be afraid to make friends, don't be afraid to make a fool of yourself if need be. Like, I feel like that's that's 80% of D&D. If they make fun of you, you can just sign out and you're done. <laughs> sign off, block them all, you never existed. Correct. <laughs> It's true. They message you later on, you know, Instagram or wherever they can get you and you're just like, who are you? I've never played a barbarian. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't know this person you speak. D&D, &D, what's that? <laughs> 
I was trying to get a Taylor Swift joke out of my brain, but it got stuck. And uh, I was going to be like, the old Glorf War can't come to the phone right now. <laughs> <laughs> because he's dead. <laughs> but I couldn't think of a fantasy name. Whether you want it or not, some unsolicited advice. Now it's time for our favorite segment, which is essentially just the first segment, but we get to tell you what to do. Unsolicited <laughs> advice. <laughs> As if we don't do that right, in the first exactly. segment anyway. <laughs> the question for the day is, how do we resolve player-to-player -player conflict at the table? This is, I'm very excited to hear your take on this. I will give mine and then I want to hear what you have to say because I am a person who has experienced much player-to-player -player conflict at the table. And um, it's, it's all gotten resolved but I think in ways that were not particularly like normal healthy communication <laughs> it was like we just stopped talking to each other for several months and then decided to be friends again later like I think there's something about player to player conflict that is like really tense like it can just turn the room to like ice instantly like I I have had an experience at a table where two other players and a DM spent legitimately 30 real world minutes arguing about something and I like could I at like five minutes in I had already I had already established myself as a silent I was like I can't see <laughs> I can't jump into this now like it's too late so I sat there for 30 minutes and let them fight and like we legit almost stopped playing together after that had happened and just kind of mutually decided to get over it but we never really talked about it and so I I am curious what you have to say about this particular topic yeah and there's no one easy answer answer to this oh certainly not no it's gonna depend on you know who you're playing with it gets really really hard when it's your friends and I think for me the first step is sort of separating out like okay what is a what is hurting me personally as this person's friend and what is hurting me as a character and then you know that next step further why is this taking away from my enjoyment of the table and so like if you are part of this these are steps for if you're part of that conflict or if you're feeling that tension and I think figuring out the answers to those questions will help you sort of figure out the next steps because if it's a friend problem chances are it's not about D&D &D. it's about something else that's going on so you got to talk about that but if it's a character choice you know that's something that's really easy to talk to your friends about I think you know just be like hey I find that my character is really butting up against yours and it's affecting how I'm playing and the enjoyment of the game can we work through this like even like offering to work through it as characters and like setting aside a time like if you wanted to like do a little side rp or something like that to help work through that i think that's really helpful and then the third one is figuring out like okay what's taking away from my enjoyment at the table that's a really important one that actually should be the first step you're thinking about that because it's about understanding when you should shut up <laughs> That's my big, that's my biggest problem where I'm like, okay, what's the line between complaining and venting? Because if you're complaining, figure out why. If you're venting, that's a different story. I think something that's interesting for me too is that like when I have had conflicts with other players at the table, it is very rarely do I ever take that to the player. Like I, th I think that like it's interesting to me to hear like how different the way you approach this is and the way that I approach it. I'm not saying that my way is correct because I'll tell you what my way does not achieve is not its <laughs> resolution. <laughs> 
<laughs> like I typically, if I have a problem with another player table, I will like take that and like go bitch about it to somebody who's not involved in the situation at all. And then just be like, I'm fine now. <laughs> come back to the table and just be okay with however things are like for the most part any problem that I have had with another play at the table has never overshadowed my enjoyment of playing with them like any sort of like potential negative conflict that I have or could have with someone to this point I won't speak to my future because who knows <laughs> has not been enough to make me resent them as a person like that's that's never happened um I as a DM have been on the receiving end of a lot of like this person is driving me crazy when they do x y and z thing can we please find a way to like resolve this and I do think and that's something that like I'm comfortable as a dm sort of meeting out this little you know like let's let's adjust things let's change stuff so I think like if you feel uncomfortable with someone at the table and you don't feel comfortable approaching them about it directly your dm can be a really good resource for sort of like they are already in charge of the table and so they can kind of help you navigate maybe a good way forward whether that comes from them or not do check with them to make sure that that's something that they are comfortable doing because i can't speak for all the m's and saying that everybody's going to be down to play like babysitter 101 <laughs> but for me that's something that like i appreciate when my players feel like they can come to me and talk to me about a problem that they're having that i can then help them solve see lovely unfortunately the solution is communication it sucks but it is oh rats again every time it's almost like we're social creatures and developed language as a survival mechanism <laughs> shocking Roll for backstory. Random character generator. Time for a random character. This is my favorite segment, not gonna lie. I know, me too. <laughs> Maybe, their name might have already been decided by being Glorfor. Uh, yeah, from... I know. I was literally... <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Okay, so whatever this is, this is Glorfor. Uh, go ahead and roll me roll me up that race. Okay. 39. An Azimar. Ooh. Ooh. One of Olivia's favorites. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> the day we get a fear bulk is the day I go feral. <laughs> you go feral? <laughs> As I cackle, touche, touche. Okay. We got our Azamar. Um, roll me up that class. 22. 22. A druid. Ooh. Yeah, I'm a druid. Background. 32. A faceless. Ooh, this is interesting. Okay, this is this is a, a Baldur's Gate background. Um, characters with the faceless background don a disguise, literally or otherwise, as they adventure. This persona might be dramatic or subtle in a way, though many characters have such larger-than-life personalities. Therefore, this background largely focuses on detailing the hero behind the mask. So it's a it's a, a masked hero. <laughs> Ooh, vigilante. Oh my God, Glorfor is an eco terrorist. <laughs> The druid eco-terrorist. Yes. Okay. I love it. I love it a lot. Um, I would really love if their their sort of like mask disguise could be made out of plants and or plant matter in some way. Maybe some branches or something. What about a circle of spores druid? I like that. I like that. That has decided that their form of eco-terrorism is to infect factories that are polluting the world with invisible spores. What are the invisible spores doing in these factories? Causing pulmonary fibrosis. <laughs> in the people who work in the factories? No, that's too much of a punishment. No. <laughs> Blue-collar solidarity here. 
Okay, you're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. What if it's like they set um, spores that'll infect the factory, but work to actually clean the water? So they're filters. Ooh, I like that. I like that a lot. Some filter mushrooms. I'm down. I feel like I don't. There's something about the name Glorfor that feels vaguely like Lucha Libre to me. Like I kind of want them to be like I. I, I maybe not even Lucha Libre necessarily, but like WWE. <laughs> yeah. Something about like eco terrorist mm-hmm. Azamar Drew. Like the <laughs> bright t- tights, the bright fluorescent yes. tights. What if they're covered in bioluminescent mushrooms, but it's like bad glow in the dark body paint? <laughs> yeah, I like that. Why are why did they become this this faceless individual? Um, hmm, it's a good question. I mean, the easy answer is you know their home was destroyed by you know pollution or whatever. That's far too easy. I feel like they're definitely like they're like the son of Zoro kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah. like a legend that their like family line has this whole thing, so they come up with like the shitty Spider-Man costume <laughs> in order to fulfill this family destiny. See, that's interesting because I was thinking something along the lines of like their dad runs the company that is that that, like this is their factory. So what what if it was both? It's like, you know, like your family is prophesied to be these great protectors of nature. And yet your the current patriarch or what have you is destroying it. And so you glore for (laughs) the child decide to become the druid to take them down. Oh, I like that. That a lot. I feel like their real name is Glore for, and then their stage name is Glow for, <laughs> <laughs> with like like a like a numeral four, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or maybe Roman numerals like Glow Ivy, <laughs> Glow Ivy. <laughs> it's poison ivy, but glowing. Oh, oh yeah. You yeah. go by Glow Four, but the ivy is there. Oh, mm-hmm. we get we get new baby. We get in that aesthetic. Oh boy! All right, we've got this beautiful Asimar, who is a shitty superhero, <laughs> shitty eco terrorist. <laughs> Correct. It's time for inspiration. Olivia, would you like to let us know what your inspiration for this week is? Yes, I am very inspired by this thing one of my very good friends and DMs has instituted in their game and has since been instituted in many other games because it's just so phenomenal. And that is the uh, fantasy lookbook. Yeah. (laughs) basically. (laughs) I do love the fantasy lookbook. Oh boy. It's so good. The concept basically is, you know, you know those shopping episodes and people like describe the outfits and you know some people come in with like, you know citations and like they know exactly all the terms and all the fashion terms and some people are like, I don't know, it's black. And so the fantasy lookbook makes shopping episodes fun. Um, basically, it's just a PowerPoint full of clothes that you can buy. It's the names and descriptions of the clothes are very key to to my personal enjoyment of the fantasy lookbook. Like, they are legit so fun. I love when it's like, you're in a shop. Ooh, here's a PowerPoint with 12 outfits to choose from. It's so funny. I, I'm also inspired by that. It's a good time. It's just phenomenal. It's really fun. Highly recommend. It's a great time. <laughs> great time for all for the person creating it for the people browsing truly that is my inspiration thank you kate i love it thank you dear listener for lending your ears may the stories you tell be grand and humble in equal measure 
May the characters you meet be brimming with adventure. And may the chances you take lead to some natural 20s.